Hello and welcome to Off the Books, where we surf the uncharted waters of accounting, finance, risk, and wherever else the waves take us. This episode is brought to you by Workiva, the risk, reporting, and compliance platform that simplifies your complex work and your exercise plan for beach season. Check it out at workiva.com podcast. My name is Steve Soder, accounting enthusiast and Diet Coke aficionado. I'm looking forward to debiting a great conversation and I'm happy to have you with us. I'm also very happy to have Catherine Sai joining me. Catherine, can you please tell the fine folks who you are? I'm not an accountant or Diet Coke aficionado, but I like asking questions, learning new things, and writing about them later. So I'm here to learn, and today I'm excited to hear more from Ben Taylor. Yeah, that's right, Catherine. We've had Ben on the podcast before. He's actually got an accounting background, but importantly, he's also the CEO and co-founder of SoftLedger, which enables real-time accounting in the cloud with pre-built connectivity to third-party systems, including crypto exchanges and crypto asset management. Turns out the Financial Accounting Standards Board, or FASB, is finally going to consider setting rules for the accounting of certain cryptocurrencies, so we wanted to bring Ben back to talk about it. Okay, let's get into it. So Ben, welcome back to the show. I know you've been on a few episodes now. But for listeners who haven't met you yet, uh, could you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about SoftLedger? Hi, yeah, thanks for having me back on. And uh, yeah, I'll give a little intro. I'm the CEO and co-founder of SoftLedger. We help companies get their financials in, uh, as fast as possible, and that means in real time often. And we do this by providing a modern accounting software platform and APIs that are more product-focused and flexible than legacy ERPs. I know it's been a while since you've been on the show. Is there anything new at SoftLedger these days? There is. So we're continuing to release new features. Um, we've released a bunch since we last spoke, including a pretty significant release over the past few months uh, to update our inventory management, purchasing, and sales order management functionality. And regarding crypto, we have several important updates upcoming, including a new impairment accounting um, functionality update. And then also, since I was last on the podcast, we've had more traction with the OEM side of our business. This is where we help software companies build their own accounting functionality. Okay, so there's a lot going on. But yep. uh, we'll get to the real reason you're here. In mid-May, after years of saying no, FASB, the Financial Accounting Standards Board, agreed to consider setting rules for the accounting of certain digital assets such as Bitcoin and Ethereum. And what was your reaction when you heard that? Uh, excitement. We, you know, we've been waiting for this since uh, we released our crypto module in 2018, and uh, I'm just excited to come to see what comes out and how soon it comes out. Steve, did you have a similar reaction? Well, I did. It felt like a little bit of a watershed moment. I mean, my crypto accounting experience is a little bit dated, but case in point, um, the accounting really hasn't changed since all the way back when I was doing it. So the fact that after so long, uh, having refused to, seems like even consider the issue, you know, the fact that there's an openness and I think a willingness to do it fairly quickly, at least that was the sense that I got, I think is pretty exciting. What do you think finally made FASB decide to consider a role? So uh, fortunately, I had the opportunity to hear Fred Cannon, a member of uh, the FASB, speak at the DC Blockchain Summit last week. Uh, there were many disclaimers, of course. For instance, he made it clear that these are his views and not necessarily, uh, doesn't re necessarily reflect the views of the other members of FASB. But after all that, he said that the current accounting rules in his views don't match the economics for certain areas. You were talking about the mismatch 
Um, could you spell it out for me? What does that mean? Well, I think that's uh, intentionally vague to some extent, um, but I, I would expect that means um, that, you know, the current accounting treatment for Bitcoin, for instance, which is a, a pretty actively traded asset, is it falls under intangibles guidance under uh, uh, US GAAP, uh, IFRS, and actually most, most other accounting standards too. And what that means is that we have, we had this, uh, I don't remember exactly the exact number that Bitcoin came down to recently, but let's say it was 27,000. So that it goes down to 27,000. You have to mark it down and never up. And so it could be a hundred thousand next month and you could, you know, there's, there's active markets where you could get a hundred thousand for it. Let's, let's say that, you know, even if it's not that if, even if it was just, you know, right now it's at 32,000, you can't, um, you can't mark that up and and that that's pretty material, um, uh, uh, it's pretty material to companies like MicroStrategy and other public companies that have have this on their balance sheet. So I can build on that just a little bit um, in, in, in a real world example. So my time at Overstock, and I can disclose this because we publicly disclosed it, but um, we had Bitcoin holdings. We were one of the first companies to do that and actually one of the first companies to make SEC disclosures um, regarding Bitcoin um, and, and that was a challenge is that you would acquire it at some price. Um, you know, back then, this is going to be sound crazy, but we were like, I think under $1,000 per Bitcoin, I think. Uh, so you're talking to somebody who did not buy Bitcoin. <laughs> I think wish that I did, of course. But, you know, you would buy it at, let's say, 1000 bucks or whatever, and then, you know, the price would go up. Um, you could never write that up on your balance sheet. You could only realize that once you had actually sold it. And it, it actually made for um, some odd decisions, like, for example, hey, we want to capture these gains through our income statement. And we never did that at Overstock, but there was discussion, hey, you know, Bitcoin has skyrocketed. Maybe let's capture some gains. Well, we can't do that unless we sell it. But then the answer was, well, but we actually think it's going to continue to go up. So maybe we want to hold on to it for a little bit. And so you were having this sort of odd, again, it was it was very disconnected from the economics. Um, and, and again, in my experience, um, that was really frustrating because you saw this, you know, this asset that was not behaving like an intangible asset, which is the guidance that it was being based on, uh, which, you know, created some real challenges as you were trying to think about, you know, what you were going to do with it and what the disposition ultimately was going to be for those assets. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Well, what kinds of questions are you hoping FASB will address? I'm hoping, and I'm actually even more hopeful after hearing Fred speak uh, last week, was that we'll have updated guidance from the FASB to at least record Bitcoin at fair value on their, um, uh, co companies can at least record that at fair value on their balance sheets. And maybe anything similar, anything uh, decentralized, not kind of governed by an, any central, uh, central intermediary um, uh, organization that has control and a financial interest in it. There's certain ways that I think they can kind of box out the uh, decentralized networks, but maybe they'll just start with Bitcoin. Um, and so I think that would be a huge step step forward. And like uh, Steve was saying, that that is kind of a watershed moment um, for, for the industry uh, from a regulatory perspective. It's because there hasn't been really anything for um, uh, on the accounting guidance front uh, in, uh, since, since, since it was kind of determined that they fall under intangibles. Um, 
And then I was going to say, so I, I think that's that's kind of low-hanging fruit. That's clearly out of whack. I think anyone that can kind of work through that and go, this doesn't seem right. Some more complicated areas like DeFi, um, like, you know, stable coins, earning yield on them, all the things that come with that. There's a bunch of different um, uh, activities involved in DeFi right now. These aren't necessarily as um, uh, material to users of financial statements, which of course is the FASB's purview. So I don't know that those would come up quite as soon. Ben, was there any any hints in the speech at all? I suspect that there wasn't, but just a question. Were there any hints about like some sort of critical mass that a cryptocurrency might need to have? Like Bitcoin is fairly mainstream today. And so even though the price is volatile, uh, you know, you can trade in it, it's readily available, whatever. Were there any references or hints at all to maybe that being a threshold to perhaps some type of new guidance? Or did, did Fred not even get into that area in his speech? He didn't really get into that. Um, it was really just kind of cut and dry. Is there something that is uh, uh, where the accounting clearly doesn't match the economics for financial statements such that the users of them are going to be thrown off somehow. And, and I, I think Bitcoin clearly falls kind of on its own there so far. Maybe Ethereum could get scoped in. There really wasn't much specific. The specifics weren't talked out, talked about too much. Um, I, I think yeah, didn't, didn't want to go go too far forward with what the what the decision would be, other than just saying that currently there's some work to do. Got it. Essentially, yep. Got it. It, it it reminds me of an emerging cryptocurrency at the time called XCP. I don't know if that's actually even still available, but um, due to some handshake deal or whatever, you know, Overstock ended up acquiring. I think either like a fourth or a third or or like like some significant amount of the entire XCP currency that had been issued at the time. And the challenge was we didn't know what to do with it. And if we tried to sell it all at one time, of course, that would completely tank the price. Um, and so we couldn't do that. So every month we would actually just like just trickle and just sell just a little bit at a time before we had finally, you know, gotten rid of the majority of it. And, and I bring that up because it's just an illustration of that kind of critical mass, right? Like nobody could do that with Bitcoin today, or at least I don't think they could. But it is certainly possible with some of these smaller cryptocurrencies where, yeah, you could literally manipulate the price if you had you know, a, a, enough of a holding. Would FASB also be considering any sort of rules for stable coins? Um, I don't know. Uh, it was definitely a, a hot, hot topic. There's a whole whole session on, on stable coins specifically because of the recent Terra Luna uh, collapse. I think, yes, you know, I don't, I don't think there was any, anything super tangible that definitely going to happen, but it's clearly something on, on everyone's mind is, the potential issues for these assets growing and then there being more and more reliance on them. And then there being this trickle down effect where, you know, if, if this was five months from now and Terra Luna had gotten five times as big thinking about like systemic issues there. And actually that was one thing that the, um, the controller of the currency spoke and a lot of uh, prior speakers were much more pro let's, you know, move regula regulations forward. This is something that, you know, we want to take steps forward with and, and encourage innovation and all this and pointing out that, you know, if there's systemic issues here, we need to be we need to be um, clear on what those are and be, be careful about how we uh, how we move forward with stable coins specifically. Yeah. What about NFTs? Do you hope there's regulation around 
that or, or guidance around that going forward? Yeah, I, and I think I think there there will be a, it, some of this fits into existing guidance. Like, if it really is a piece of artwork that's an NFT, wouldn't that fall under the same accounting guidance as artwork? I I think sometimes uh, clear cut, sometimes not so much. And then even if it is clear cut, the fact that you can um, transfer these a lot easier and maybe there's just a lot more a lot more transferring. Maybe maybe that there's some other considerations that come up there. Uh, but yeah, I think we will see some NFT specific guidance eventually. Again, you know, how material that is to uh, to users of financial statements, um, it's, that's unclear right now. So that, that would be important to figure out first. Well, we're gonna take a quick pause here for a moment and get to a commercial. We'll be right back. Dear listener, I thought we should get to know each other a bit better. My first job was working for Uncle Randy's carpet cleaning service when I was 14. Every other day, I'd meet Uncle Randy in the parking lot of a local taco eatery and collect hundreds of flyers. Then I'd spin up my disc man and spend a few hours rollerblading door to door, hanging said flyers, announcing Uncle Randy's carpet cleaning prowess. Once a week, we'd meet up in the aforementioned local taco eatery parking lot, and I'd get paid for my hard work of blading and flyering. Weird vibes aside, there's a lot wrong with the way Randy and I worked. How did he know this teenage punk wasn't just tossing the flyers in a dumpster and skating all around town? How did he know I'd hit the assigned routes? How did my parents let me meet a grown man who called himself Uncle Randy in a parking lot to be paid under the table? Well, with the Workiva platform, you never have to worry about who's handling their job. Whether you're working on a document, presentation, or spreadsheet, you'll always know who updated what and when collect, manage, and report data with complete audit trails, data lineage, and transparency. Don't be an inefficient Uncle Randy. Use Workiva. Learn more at workiva.com slash podcast. That's W-O-R-K-I-V-A dot com slash podcast. And we're back talking with Ben Taylor, CEO and co-founder of SoftLedger, who's telling us a little bit more about crypto counting rules that the FASB is expected to propose. So if we go back to cryptocurrencies, you were mentioning the existing guidance right now is to treat it like an intangible asset. Do you expect FASB to deviate from that at all? And if, if so, how? Yes, I, I think that what Fred was referring to, uh, that that might need to be updated. I can only assume that that covers Bitcoin uh, only being able to be be impaired down. So I would expect that you would be able to record Bitcoin at fair value or something like that um, to reflect to reflect movements in the market. And and to be clear, there are different types of so if you think about securities, for example, like stock that that, you know, a company might hold. There is accounting guidance that lets you treat it differently based on what the intention is. If you're, you know, holding it with the intent to sell, or you're holding it with the intent to hang on to it for a long time, you know, that might be one other avenue. I think that the FASB could use in order to distinguish between um, weird outcomes on your balance sheet based on the volatility, um, you know, of, of of Bitcoin and cryptocurrency generally. So I think that might be some other avenue. I don't know that, but would suspect that that would be at least something they would consider. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting point. Yeah. That's to the extent you could have some substance of reform concepts here. Maybe that would help to be prepared for some other assets that are in Bitcoin that look similar that might not even exist yet. 
Yeah. It, you know, when we first started um, holding uh, Bitcoin, again, this was at Overstock, there was a real question about what the accounting should be. And I won't say this is my claim to fame, but I think we may have written one of the very first technical accounting memos on how to account for Bitcoin. Um, I guess I shouldn't disclose the audit firm, but um, they received it. It went to their national office. Uh, I remember they were not convinced with what I thought was a very compelling argument that Bitcoin should be treated as a foreign currency. Uh, we felt like that would have been a heck of a lot easier and a little more favorable accounting treatment than ultimately where we landed. Incidentally enough, Overstock at the time also had significant precious metals holding, as in like gold and silver. And that was actually accounted for in, in, in nearly the same way, where you wouldn't write it up, but you would write it down. Uh, so we were... We were not happy to get that response, actually, that, you know, you could only impair it. Uh, you couldn't write it up, which is exactly what we were doing with uh, with that gold and silver. It's it's interesting you, you bring that up because uh, treating this as as uh, some of these as commodities um, uh, versus securities was a was a topic of a discussion, actually, for like a little bit of uh, jurisdictional um, kind of debate between um, the SEC and, and CFTC, whether one, you know, whether it should fall into the CFTC or if the, or uh, the SEC. And it seemed like that was in an open question and there was not, there was some disagreement on that. So th there's, there's, yeah, there's still some, some questions to be answered of, you know, where, yeah, where, where will this land? And based on the form that this takes, are the right agencies, the ones talking about it and, and owning them? And in, in yet another wrinkle, you have, of course, uh, Gary Gensler, current chair of the SEC, who I think actually taught a class on Bitcoin and cryptocurrency and the blockchain or something, right, before he uh, went to the SEC. And then prior to that, he was actually at the CFTC, uh, that other regulator. So, you know, you could see why he might certainly have some opinions about, you know, where they should land and, uh, you know, what potential role either regulator might play. And, and it probably depends on the asset. Uh, I would imagine, right? Because you, you you could have some tokens that are a little more like securities, right? And that, you know, probably more clearly falls within the purview of the SEC, whereas, I don't know, maybe Bitcoin is a commodity. I mean, it probably isn't, but it could be, right? You know, depending on your interpretation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's that's exactly right. Yeah. Um, is If they are different, how do you define that distinction? That's that's the that's the million dollar question. Um I don't think anyone has a clear answer to that. There's lots of opinions, though. <laughs> we were hearing hearing uh, many of those last week. It was it was a um, definitely an interesting conference to go to at this time. Steve, do you still think Bitcoin should be treated or cryptocurrencies should be treated as foreign currencies? Well, um, not necessarily, but, but but I think it creates it, it creates a useful model. Um, that accountants understand and users of financial statements would understand. And, and I think that's really the point is that, you know, you had this new thing come up, this big, you know, like, what the heck is a Bitcoin, right? I mean, like we were literally having these conversations. In fact, as a joke, we would send the intern down to be like, hey, we need you to go down to the first floor and go count the Bitcoin. So we know how many we have there. Um, and, and so I think it was less about um, is foreign currency right as and, and more, hey, what can we take this new thing, this cryptocurrency, and how do we analogize that to some existing accounting model that we could apply just so that there would be some consistency and some 
um, you know, reliability and understanding of the users of financial statements, you know, when they were seeing this new thing show up on the balance sheet. So for my part, I actually feel like foreign currency still makes some sense. There's guidance out there about highly volatile currencies like, um, you know, Venezuelan currency, which I think is still an issue, but it certainly was, you know, back when I was doing this, this crypto stuff. So, so there actually are existing models out there that could kind of account for some of the oddities, I guess, of, of you know, Bitcoin and the price fluctuations and so forth. Um, that's probably still as good a model as any. But, but again, it'll be interesting to see how the FASB takes all of these things into consideration, the, you know, securities held for sale or whatever versus, um, you know, a foreign currency with highly volatile uh, characteristics. I don't know. FASB's certainly got a lot to think about. That's for sure. Any closing thoughts then before we get to our closing question of the day? Well, I just going to say that that was that was interesting. I hadn't thought about the highly volatile currencies and how those are handled being a um, potential path forward. That makes that makes a lot of sense. I I, I initially think maybe I wonder if there'd be some hesitation to even to use those even just from an, uh, for optics around now. Are you calling it a currency and does that? Um, you know, ha have some implications, but that might, yeah, I, I could see that that guidance being maybe the cleanest and easiest to, uh, to, uh, to capture some of these. Well, it's, it's funny that you say that, Ben, because that was ultimately, as I recall, anyway, that was ultimately the response is that the issue that they took with it was that we can't designate something a currency because once you do that, there's just certain things and certain consequences and implications that kind of fall out of that. And that was like, you know, a step too far that they weren't really willing to adopt. But if you put that to the side for a second, I think you're right. It actually makes for <laughs> right. a very kind of neat accounting model that yeah. tends to fit, you know, crypto okay. pretty well, yeah, yeah. I think. Inter it's interesting. Um, yeah, sometimes, so I guess sometimes that's not enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, maybe we'll get some vindication after all these years. It'll be interesting to see what the FASB does. I know we're going on a tangent again, but isn't there a country that uses Bitcoin for its official currency? Is it El yeah, Salvador? Yeah, and I, I think um, <clears throat> several other countries have, have jumped on board with that as well. Um, and so that, you know, obviously has some implications that make it a bit trickier. I, I don't I don't know how well that's I, I, I don't know how widely it's used there. Uh, I don't know much about. <clears throat> Haven't been to El Salvador lately. I have not been to El Salvador really. In these COVID times. <laughs> but yeah, they're, they, they've made some pretty big pushes into it. All right. Well, I guess we'll get to our closing question of the day. Uh, so similar to FASB, is there anything, Ben, that you have low-key declined to do in the last several years that now you're considering saying yes to? Um, getting a treadmill at home. Um, yeah, I, I keep saying that I'll run outside more, but I think having a running machine sitting in my house w might guilt me into actually doing so. So we'll see. Haven't made the decision yet. Space is obviously a consideration. Um, but yeah, that's, that's my big big thing that's, that's something on my mind. Really, really exciting, exciting world over here. <laughs> if it doesn't work for the running, I mean, that's a great place to like hang wet laundry. Uh, yep. You know, you run out of closet space, right? I mean, you could even maybe put hangers on it. So it's, true, it's got yeah. more uses than just the running bin. Steve, do you have an answer for this one? You know what? Yes. And and I'm a little bit sensitive to it because for years, um, this is going to make me unpopular with a lot of people, but I'm going to go for it. For years, I declined watching the original Top Gun movie. Uh, I'm, I'm not a huge Tom Cruise fan, I'll be honest with you, even though... 
I'd like to think that maybe in a different world, I might have resembled him somewhat. He and I are both short, so we have that going for us. But I didn't feel right about seeing the new Top Gun movie until I had seen the original Top Gun movie, which I finally said yes to. I did that, and uh, now my wife and I are are ready to see the new one, which I suspect we will have seen it by the time this episode uh, uh, goes live. So finally saw oh, Top nice. Gun. I did see the new one. I, I think you'll yeah, like it, Steve. Oh, yeah? Well, I, again, I'm also going to be even more unpopular. I was not a big fan of the original, <laughs> so I'm hoping that the second one was maybe a little bit better. I'd see, I, 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 I've seen enough uh, sweaty dudes playing volleyball <laughs> on the beach. That was... Probably something I could have avoided, uh, to be totally honest well, with you. I, I think you know that being such a classic, a, a lot of the a lot of it's riding on nostalgia from when you saw it before. So if you're waiting till now to see it, uh, I can see that it being it being tough to to play catch up. There, it is. Uh, well, I, I I think you're exactly right. And actually, somebody had had when I had told them that they're like, "Well, you're not a child of the '80s." I said, "Oh, I beg to differ. By age and definition, I'm a child of the '80s." But I think you're exactly right. Had I watched it back then, I probably would have had a much different reaction uh, than I than I did now. So, but but if the new one is good as a standalone movie, great. I enjoy a good flick no matter who's in it. So I'm 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 looking forward to it. Catherine, how about you? What have what have you finally said yes to? I don't have a good answer for this one, but I guess um, I have for many years declined to use uh, mustard with my French fries. It's just been ketchup only. I hear though mixing your mustard and ketchup is supposed to be good. I, I have no idea. We'll we, we'll try it at some point. Huh. Now you know if instead of the mustard you swap that out for mayo with a couple of other things, then you would be eating fry sauce, which I come from, you know, the 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 state that invented fry sauce, I think, or so they claim. So if the mustard doesn't do it for you, maybe a little bit of mayo and uh, you could get on the fry sauce train, Catherine. Okay. It's not bad. Okay, I'll consider it. <laughs> You'll consider it. You're being polite. You're super grossed out right now. In the same way that FASB is considering a new rule, I will consider yeah. ketchup and mayo. <laughs> well, thanks for coming on the show, Ben. It's a pleasure to have you on as always. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for having yeah, me on. Good to chat with you again, yeah, Ben. Was, Thank you. This was great. All right, Catherine, what do you think? Have I lost all credibility now having disclosed my non-fan status of Tom Cruise? Did you ever have any credibility with me anyway? But actually, <laughs> I was hoping we could bring in off-the-books producer Mike because I'm sure he had thoughts in the booth back there. Sounds like he might not be a fan of uh, crypto himself. Yeah, you guys had to restrain me when... Ben was here. And Ben is a much smarter guy than me. I want to say that. I think the conversation was brilliant. Ben is brilliant. I just think I'm sure someday there will be valuable uses for blockchain technology. But with NFTs and cryptocurrency, I think uh, they're disgusting. They're bad for the environment. And NFTs are ugly as hell. Uh, there's definitely stupid to be like, I sort of pretend to own this digital art. That's foolishness. Uh, and the, the crypto, the downsides of it, we were told it would, you know, break open and anybody could own anything but it's just this pump and dump thing for stock bros and the environmental impacts are bananas yeah i'm sorry this is me trying to not well you know what though you bring up some interesting points and I actually wonder if maybe at the heart of what you're saying might be why perhaps the FASB has just not wanted to consider this for a long time in general just sort of dismissing it for maybe some of those same reasons and 
Who knows, maybe it's gotten to the point where not addressing it in the accounting rules might actually just be adding to the risks that you're talking about. I, I think so. I in, in my perfect world, it would just not exist, but I think FASB has to come in and lay down some, some ground rules to, to make it less. Wild West it doesn't always mean good things, people. And I, I think this, we, we need some actual structure. <laughs> this is fodder for more conversations to come. Yeah, sounds like it for sure. Well, Mike, we appreciate you uh, weighing oh, in from the booth there and on the spot. Thank you. Uh, big thanks to you. And big thanks to Ben Taylor from Soft Ledger for joining us. And big thanks to you, dear listener, for surfing along with us. I'm Catherine Sy. That was Steve Soder and Mike Gravano. And this has been Off the Books presented by Workiva. Please subscribe, leave a podcast review, tell your buddies if you liked the show, and feel free to drop us a line at offthebooks at workiva.com. Surf up and we'll see you on the next page.